But what Dr. Professor Taylor's found is once these people went on this diet and the fat came out of the liver and then the pancreas, that those islet cells, in his very words, they were, they woke up. Mm. So it was like they were, you know, all this fat was around them and the poor old things, they couldn't even secrete the insulin because they were just so clogged. But once the fat came out, they started to produce their insulin again and the people were, you know, able to come off medication, even off their insulin, like really exciting stuff. But why aren't we talking about these results in mainstream medicine? Why aren't they reaching our doctors and our pharmacists and our di diabetic educators who would love to know all this information? This is the Diabetes Freedom Podcast, proudly brought to you by purenutrients.com, the type 2 diabetes specialists. Here we discuss the latest science to treat, prevent and reverse type 2 diabetes naturally so you can reclaim your health for a long, healthy and happy life. Pat Ridley here. Welcome to the very first Diabetes Freedom Podcast. On this episode, we'll discuss the huge diabetes explosion we're seeing currently, and we're going to talk about the true causes of type 2 diabetes and the natural and simple steps that we can take to make a diabetes recovery and so that we don't have to be chained to the, the medication and deteriorating health that goes hand in hand with type 2 diabetes. I also have Suzanne Ridley here with us. She's been a pharmacist for more than 40 years and she's furthered her studies into clinical nutrition and medical herbalism. Suzanne, how are you? I'm very well and uh, welcome to everybody. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Together, Suzanne and I started purenutrients.com so that we could help people with type 2 diabetes make some powerful lifestyle changes so they can regain their health and ultimately live a long and happy life. We are also actually mother and son, so you might have already noticed that we have the same last name. So we, we're both very passionate about uh, natural health and helping people. So that's why we joined forces and here we are. And so it's very exciting to start this very first podcast. So let's get straight into it. The first question is, I would like to ask you, is what is this type 2 diabetes explosion that we're seeing? How, how bad is it? And what do you see in your line of work in pharmacy? Well, I'm just going to throw some st statistics at you just so you can actually see what we're talking about. We're talking about a worldwide pandemic and it's not sustainable and it's bringing a lot of sorrow into people's lives because it's not an easy thing to be dealing with. So if we just look at the, the changes that have occurred, just the global st statistics, in 1980, it was estimated there were 108 million people with, with diabetes. The 2014 statistics are 422 million. Now, that's over four times the amount in, what, 35 years. If we look at it more closely, we find that 80% of the 
people who are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes are living in developing countries. Now, that's something to keep in mind. If we look at the statistics of the US, in 2015, that's the latest statistics that I've been able to find, there is 9.4% of US citizens that are living with diabetes. That's 30.3 million people. It's really hard to get your head around that kind of number, isn't it? In Australia, well, you know, we're not too far behind. We have 6% of our people currently suffering with diabetes. That's 1.2 million Australians. And that figure, the 6% we now have, that has tripled between 1990 and 2015. Now, the sad part about all this is that these figures are not stationary. They are on the move. And the projections, the global project projections for the cost of treating diabetes with the drugs, currently 2016, well, reasonably currently, it's $43.1 billion, and it's estimated in 2025 that figure will increase to $58.4 billion US dollars. You know, as I said, this is not sustainable. And it's quite scary, really. Well, yeah, and, and that's the, the financial burden. So, yeah. you know, look at the impact it's having on people's lives. So we have this exponential growth. There's so many more people becoming type 2 diabetic. And then over time, all these health conditions like, like blindness, amputations, and obviously the number one cardiovascular uh, disease, all these things are going to start taking taking effect. And I don't think we're really prepared for what's ahead because you know how how many are you seeing walk into the pharmacy on a day-to-day basis like what what's the prevalence that you're seeing in the front lines i i every day i'm i dispense a lot of diabetes medication i you know i don't know the exact stats on that but probably one in five drugs that I do is directly to deal with type 2 diabetes. And that's not looking at the drugs that are treating cardiovascular illness, which is so closely related with diabetes. Once you're diabetic, your risk of cardiovascular illness escalates. So, you know, it's, it's quite disturbing. Because I, and I also think the thing that strikes me is that people coming into me newly diagnosed with diabetes, they don't really understand the implications to their health. They go, oh, my gosh, well, I've got diabetes. They're not happy about it. But nobody, they're not thinking about the possibility of blindness or amputation or kidney disease. And, you know, that's the, the awful scenario that can often follow. Yeah, well, the, the, the real scary statistic that, I keep keep uh, mentioning to people is that cardiovascular disease, obviously the the number one killer uh, in the world, but once you become a type two diabetic, your chances of that really increase. And the the statistic that I found um, it's US based that says that once a type two diabetic reaches the age of sixty five years they then have a 68% chance of dying of a cardio- cardiovascular episode. So, you know, that's, it's almost 70%. 
That is absolutely phenomenal. So essentially, you can pretty much bank on the fact that you're going to die of a heart attack or a stroke if you do not um, start to implement a, a natural solution that actually addresses the real cause. Because when you don't, you, you allow type 2 diabetes to continue and it progresses. And then the outcome, unfortunately, will most likely be 68% chance um, dying of a cardiovascular event. And that's only part of it, Patrick. You know, I think um, the, the statistic that really struck me came from uh, doc, Dr. Pearl Mutter, who is a uh, quite renowned neurologist, and he stated that once you have type 2 diabetes, you have a 50% chance of getting Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a very scary illness. And it's something that as people age, dementia and Alzheimer's is something that is such a big fear, you know. And when you look at that, you know, because and it's, it's also cancers because the, the basis for a lot of these illnesses come back to the same thing. And we will look at that later in a lot more uh, de de detail. But just keep those stats in your mind and you realise how important it is that we get to the crux of this and empower ourselves. Yeah, well, that's a good point because, you know, like we definitely don't want this to be like a fear-mongering channel no. where everybody's getting real, really frightened about having type 2 diabetes. It is important to acknowledge the, the significance of it and, you know, what can actually happen because I, f I find that a lot of people become complacent with this condition because it can actually take a number of years before you start to experience these debilitating and life-threatening conditions. So some people kind of say, oh, you know, what, what can you do? And they just kind of plod along. But that's why it's important to try and really get it to hit home and say, look, you know, these are very real, and if you don't do something now, um, this is going to be your future. But in the same breath with that, let's really take on a sense of empowerment because what we're going to discuss with you is that the alternative to the mainstream drug-based model is a free and natural and simple solution that you can implement today and it's really accessible to anybody. And no matter where you are on your type 2 diabetes journey, whether you've just been diagnosed or perhaps you've had it for well over 10 years, it doesn't really matter because when you implement these changes, you are going to experience improvement. And, you know, the word reverse diabetes gets thrown around, around a lot. And yes, you definitely can reverse diabetes. But let's look at it more as though to minimise these, these life-threatening uh, like symptoms and, and conditions that go with it, like having heart attacks and having strokes and becoming blind or having dementia. So even if you do not, quote-unquote, completely reverse diabetes, you will definitely have improvements with your health and you will live a much happier and healthier life. So... Getting into, into this part of it, let's talk about what actually is diabetes. Then we can start to unpack some of the myths around that and uh, really sink our teeth into the, the solution aspect of it. So, Suzanne, what is type 2 diabetes? 
So diabetes is where you have elevated blood sugar levels over a prolonged period of time. Currently, we um, we treat this with uh, drugs, some a little bit of lifestyle, but mainly with drugs. And so that emphasis remains on using drugs to lower the blood sugar levels. And I think this is where what you were talking about earlier, Pat, about where pe- people get a bit complacent because when they go along to their GP, they're diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, they're given maybe a little bit of information about diet and maybe get out and walk a bit more and then they start to get on to the drug regime and that's where your faith lies. They see these drugs causing their blood sugar levels to, to drop and they go, oh, gosh, that's good, it's all working. And nobody's really looking underneath what's really going on. And the fact is, too, that they often don't realise, the newly diagnosed diabetic, sorry, that those drugs usually are going to fail and you're going to have to have another drug added on and another one and perhaps insulin brought into it. Because once again, while that focus reminds, remains just on lowering the blood sugar level, we're not getting in underneath and really looking at the fact that diabetes, type 2 diabetes, is a dietary illness. We're not treating it with diet. Well, very, you know, only a very small amount. People would they really the the information that's necessary is just not out in mainstream medicine. So they just continually use this drug-based approach. Well, I think, you know, they they do use diet. But the emphasis, the emphasis is not there on diet. It, that's more of like, you know, like, oh, and also, you know, lose a bit of weight, you know, that's kind of thrown into it after, okay, I'm going to put you on all these, on these drugs. And then also that got, what goes with that is that the, the dietary advice given is often wrong as well. <laughs> but that's, that's definitely for another, uh, another episode. We won't go into that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> um, but I definitely agree. The focus is obviously on on drugs, and then you know they might say, "Hey, you've got to lose some weight." You know, kind of just like a a very broad statement, like the the patient is supposed to know how to do that, like they're choosing to be overweight to begin with. It's kind of ridiculous. I'm sure they want to lose weight. Um, they would like some help doing that. So please give some useful information around that. Now, this really brings us to one of the uh, pretty much the biggest myth in the, the diabetes world, and that's about the condition being irreversible and progressive. So progressive meaning that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to get worse no matter what you do. That's, it's just um, the, the evolution of, of diabetes. Once you get it, it's going to keep getting worse, and there's nothing we can do to get rid of it. We can only manage it with drugs and lifestyle. Now, this comes back to really, as you were saying, the understanding of type 2 diabetes itself. They, they're really viewing it as a condition where it's these elevated blood sugar levels. And although they do recognize insulin resistance, they don't properly understand what it is, how it works. And then in that way, in their own understanding, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because then if you don't understand it properly and you believe that it can't be reversed and then you just apply a drug-based model on it, not really addressing the underlying cause, then of course 
it will become progressive. Of course, you will not reverse it. And unfortunately, this is the drum that is being beaten ever so loudly in mainstream medicine and and through through the media. You hear it on the news all the time. And so it's just all pervading and people will just take this for gospel. Of course, you know, your your doctor, you know, he's there to he or she is there to to tell you um, how to improve yourself, of course you're going to listen to your doctor. And when they tell you that, then you'll take it for gospel. At this juncture, Suzanne, we we are faced with a kind of a, a disconnect to the real the reality of the human body and type 2 diabetes. How do we get this this message out there? And what is the actual message in terms of reversing it? So it's not progressive. What is it and how can we reverse it? So firstly, to get the message out there, you know, you have to be a person who goes and investigates for yourself. I mean, the doctors and the pharmacists that I work with, um, you know, everybody's wanting the best health for their, for their patients. But when you're given the guidelines that you are given, you're never going to consider this, that type 2 diabetes is indeed reversible. In my own journey, I, you know, having studied other kind of elements of health, I was very interested to find out more about this illness that I was being faced with on a daily basis. I came across the work of Professor Roy Taylor, you know, brilliant work. And he, um, he was looking at what happened when people had gastric banding done. And what he found was that, well, they lost weight. Well, everybody knew they would because when you gastric band, you make the stomach the size of about a walnut, so you really can't eat very much. So these people lost a lot of weight. But what really surprised him was that for a lot of them, their type 2 diabetes went away. So then he started to decide that he would do an experiment and he put people on this eight-week, you know, very low-calorie diet And he got phenomenal results. He even was surprised himself. So for a lot of them, their type 2 diabetes reversed. So then, you know, there's the link. It was the diet. The diet and the change of the diet was able to reverse their type 2 diabetes. And it was actually, it's also the weight loss too. So the diet is the key. That's the trigger. That's the mechanism. And then the result is the weight loss. So what where's the the connection there so not only you're absolutely right there that it was the weight loss and what he also did you know he's a really brilliant man he kind of had these scans done of the liver and the pancreas and what he found was that the fat was coming out of both of these organs and that was amazing because, you know, you never hear about type 2 diabetes being related to a fatty liver and a pancreas. Well, the but focus this, is on the pancreas. It's all you ever hear about. Beta cell, de- about. Beta cell defunction, the pancreas, the pancreas, you know, but the liver is, it's like the cornerstone of, of pretty much health around the, the whole body, but um, definitely with type 2 diabetes. Well, the pancreas, the, the pancreas starts to fail because of the fatty liver in the first place. So this is kind of getting in a bit deep, I know, but it's it's really at the very core of it. So this is what Professor Taylor found. So by putting them on a very strict diet, 
the fat was, was pulled out of the pancreas and the liver and these people, their blood sugar started to go down and they were essentially reversing their type 2 diabetes. So this brings me to another point. Um, the fact that what you were saying, Patrick, about that the pancreas and the islet cells in the pancreas is always the focus. And, and what I am taught, what I've been taught as a ph pharmacist and most doctors would believe is that these islet cells in the pancreas, whose job is to secrete insulin, that they burn out and that this burning out is irreversible. And this is why you progressively get worse and why you have to have insulin because the pancreas can't fulfill that function and, and produce insulin anymore. But what Dr. Professor Taylor's found is once these people went on this diet and the fat came out of the liver and then the pancreas, that those islet cells, in his very words, they, were, they woke up. Mm. So it was like they were, you know, all this fat was around them and the poor old things, they couldn't even secrete the insulin because they were just so clogged. But once the fat came out, they started to produce their insulin again and the people were, you know, able to come off medication, even off their insulin, like really exciting stuff. But why aren't we talking about these results in mainstream medicine? Why aren't they reaching our doctors and our pharmacists and our di diabetic educators who would love to know all this information? Well, I think it's no secret. It's all because of the, the dollars that are being made from medication. I think up the top of the up the top of the tree you've got people who are benefiting from this drug based model. Unfortunately, that's that's influencing the guidelines. That's what I believe. Yes, it's definitely you know, unfortunately a lot of research and even a lot of funding that goes into organisations like, you know, the Diabetes Association comes from, um, from drug companies. And when you see those stats, I was saying to you about the billions of dollars that this industry is worth, and they're, they're looking at the projection of diabetes, type 2 diabetes in the world and going, wow, well, let's develop more drugs because every, I would say every few months I have a new diabetes combination of medication on the shelf There's they're taking up a lot of space in my dispensary that's where the money is and they're expensive they're really expensive i mean in, if you're in australia and you're lucky enough to have the pbs system which covers our drugs you know they're still not cheap but they're far cheaper than somebody who's in the united states that has to fork out the whole cost of these medications yeah, they're paying tens of thousands of yeah. dollars. Like, I can't remember what the, the statistic was, but it was like on average, you know, a type 2 diabetic throughout their life will spend like sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 or something. It's ridiculous the amount of money that, that these people are forking out. And it's completely unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like, That's right. like it's unbelievable. Now, Suzanne, before we move into a a scope of a natural solution. I would like to just expand a little bit on what we've just been talking about as the cause. So we've now established that, you know, the, the beta cell dysfunction in the islet cells can be reversed in itself. So removing the visceral and internal fat, which is somewhat suffocating 
these these organs, the liver and the pancreas. And when when that happens, they're, they're brought back to life, and you know the the insulin production is normalised. I would like to expand upon what we mentioned previously about insulin resistance. So we know this is the 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 underlying cause of type two diabetes, which is causing the elevated uh, blood sugar levels. Now, can you talk a bit about what it is and how it is formed? So. Let's look at the function of insulin to start with so we have an, uh, somewhere to, you know, a good understanding of what we're dealing with. So insulin is secreted by the islet cells in the pancreas and it's secreted in relation to blood sugar rising which occurs after you eat, right? So you have your meal and your pancreas, you know, your blood sugar goes up and your pancreas secretes some insulin and that insulin gets the glucose that is in the blood and it transports it. So it transports it into the, you know, it's used for energy, transported into cells, and the excess is transported into your liver. So basically, if we look at insulin, its job is to transport glucose out of the blood into the various cells. Now, when you eat, Depending on what you are eating, the composition of your diet, that will determine how much your blood glucose goes up. And then how much your blood glucose goes up determines how much insulin is going to be secreted. So here we have a key that we need to be looking at what our diet comprises of. That's really important. And also, how often are we eating? Because every time you eat, that blood glucose goes up, the pancreas puts out insulin. You keep doing this, but the, the, the type of Western diet that we are, a lot of us are eating, highly processed, full of sugar, the pancreas has been called on a lot to bring out insulin, to move that excess glucose out of the blood. But you keep doing this after a while and we're filling up those cells with glucose and the insulin's there and it's banging at the door, but... It just can't take it anymore and it's becoming resistant to that insulin's action. Now, I would just like to make a point here because we've now come to another myth uh, in the diabetes world and I think it's something we will address in another uh, episode only because you know it, it, it requires quite a bit of time to go into. But just so for, for, that, for those of you that are listening and you notice that Suzanne said that the cell is full of sugar, and insulin is like kind of beating at the door and it can't get any more in. Um, this is uh, what uh, Dr. Jason Fung calls the, the new paradigm of insulin resistance, where uh, the, the mainstream model see the receptors on the cells as being like damaged or blunted and they can't really respond to the insulin, meaning that not enough sugar can get in and that's why the sugar banks up in the, in the blood and you get the high um, elevated readings. Um, but what the, the model that, that we believe, uh, like uh, Dr. Jason Fung um, explains, is that the, the receptors aren't, aren't damaged at all. It's just that you have so much sugar in your body, the cells are just flooded. They're swimming with sugar and the body cannot use it quickly enough. So the insulin is grabbing all the sugar in the blood, but it can't squeeze it into, into the cells anymore. Um, so I just wanted to explain that just in case... Someone was like, hey, that doesn't make sense. Um, but rest, rest assured, we'll talk about that in another episode. 
Yeah, that's excellent. And thank you for clarifying that. You know, so here we have uh, high insulin levels because, because of our diet, that we're eating the wrong foods, which we'll go into later about what are the wrong foods, but we're eating the wrong type of foods, we're eating too often at the wrong times, and we're eating too much. That's basically a lot of the Western diet in a nutshell. And with that, we're causing that pancreas to secrete all that insulin. The cells can't take it anymore. It's becoming resistant to the effect of the insulin and the blood sugar levels are rising. And that's where your type two diabetes is diagnosed. So the underlying thing is that in modern medicine, in sorry, in mainstream medicine, insulin resistance is recognized. It's not recognized that insulin resistance can be reversed. And this is how we bring about the reversal of type 2 diabetes. We've got to get those insulin levels down in the blood. And here is where it becomes empowering because once you understand that they can be reversed and it's all dependent on the things that you put in your body, so the food, how often you're eating, and then when you start to lose weight and this internal fat, the fat that's surrounding and in your organs, once that starts to, to, to be removed, that's when you will see your blood sugar levels normalize. And you're doing this in a natural way. So if you can just think about that, and this is, this is very, very achievable, you should start to feel really confident moving forward now. And that's really what this is all about. And that's the point, Patrick, here, when you said you start to see your blood sugar levels normalise naturally. So when people take drugs, those drugs are being used to be cramming more insulin into those, sorry, to cramming more glucose into those cells. It's not addressing the insulin resistance. It's not lowering the blood insulin levels. And funnily enough, if you get to the stage where you're, well, it's not funny at all, but when you get to the stage where you're having insulin injections, this will actually make it worse because you're introducing more insulin into a body that has insulin resistance. So we know that the more insulin that you have in your body will increase the insulin resistance. If you then introduce more insulin, it is then going to get worse. Yeah, and that's the common scenario that can happen, that people not addressing the underlying cause, they will end up on insulin injections. And accompanying that is that the people gain weight. Obesity and type 2 diabetes go hand in hand. They are both a hormonal dietary illness. And I think you know, most people recognise that weight gain is you know, synonymous with type 2 diabetes. But I think what uh, goes under the radar is the internal fat, which we've mentioned a few times here, particularly not, not actually uh, the, the pancreatic fat, more the, the, the fatty liver, because that's what's really going to initiate the whole process. The, the, the later stage is when you become type 2 diabetic, and that's pancreatic fat. But before that, the pre-diabetic phase, which can go for like 10 plus years, is really the fatty liver. And so that is at the crux of the whole thing. So we need to be looking at how can we reduce the insulin in our blood, 
which is putting on our, our weight, but not only in the love handles and our thighs, but internally. So can you talk just a bit about the fatty liver? So the statistics are that 80% plus of type 2 diabetics have got a fatty liver. I have people coming into the pharmacy. I had a lady the other day and we were chatting away and she's type 2 diabetic. And she said to me, and you know, I, ha- I actually have a fatty liver. And I said, well, well, yes, I know you do. Almost certainly you do because they are so closely related. Well, she was so surprised. She had no idea. Um, so we'll go back to how does that, how does it all happen? So when we get, when we get the insulin trying to transport the glucose into the cells, any excess will go into the liver where it's stored in a form of glycogen. Now, glycogen, a little rows of glucose molecules, and this is a normal process because when you can't eat or when you need to, to, you know, do a lot of heavy work, then you need glucose to be released into your blood as a source of energy. So that's how that occurs. But where we are getting the excess amounts of glucose being transported into the liver, those glycogen stores, they're only quite small and they fill up quite rapidly. And so what happens after that, the glucose then gets converted into fat. This process is called de novo lipogenesis, which actually means creation of new fat. And insulin is very effective at doing this. And it's happening, just to clarify, it's happening because there is too much glucose in the blood in the first place. And that's happening because of our diet and lifestyle. So once that excess glucose is now being converted into fat and the the liver starts to get absolutely crammed with fat and we have a nice big fatty liver which is increasing insulin resistance because the insulin's coming along with more glucose and the liver, you know, there's only so much it can take. It's only a five-pound organ. Well, the so, fatty liver is actually where the insulin resistance really starts from. So it is where it when starts. When the, the liver right. starts to, it, you know, it, it can only take so much, as you said, in like glycogen stores. And then what it does is it packages up all this fat, it, like into uh, triglycerides. It packages them up and goes, right, go out to the body over here for you know, the big long winter ahead when we won't have as much food available. So all the fat stores in the body can be then converted back into energy. So it's doing that, but it can't keep up. So it's got all this sugar coming in. And so it starts to bank, it starts to build up. It's like, I can't get these parcels of fat out quick enough. And it becomes a fatty liver and that builds up. And then it's like a domino effect. You know, the, the, the sugar just banks up through all the cells. And then that's when you'll, you'll start to have elevated levels of sugar. And a very good point there too. So as as the liver, you know, it, um, is getting full of fat and it just has to get rid of some of it, so it pushes it out and the cells that take it up very happily are those islet cells of the pan- pan- pancreas and that's how the pancreas actually starts to accumulate fat. It's because of a excessively fatty liver and that's where it all, how it all comes about. When that stage, um, as you said, the islet cells will respond and it will just pump out more and more insulin and it will actually start to um, compensate and move that sugar out of the blood and you won't see the high levels for for quite a while. And that's when you, you get the internal fat and that 
impedes the insulin production, they kind of feel that, no, no, it's because it's burnt out because it's, it's being used so much. It's just getting worn out. But it's actually, as Professor Roy Taylor showed, it's just the fat that's suffocating it. And that's when you become diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic because the insulin can't get out to get all that sugar out of the blood. And then they start using those drugs to lower them down. And that's when you become chained to uh, a lifelong regime of expensive medication and deteriorating health. So, Suzanne, let's now talk about the solution. We've established it's a, a dietary illness and it calls for a dietary solution. You've spoken about um, the food and the food's composition in, um, having a different impact on elevated blood sugar or, or how much sugar will be released into the blood. Can you talk a bit about that and which foods or which, which foods should we embrace and which foods should we avoid? So basically the diet, as we've, we've said, is the key. It's the, really the main thing. So when, what we should examine is what elements of our diet affect insulin production. So when you look at your diet, it's broken down into proteins, fats and carbohydrates. Each of these components of, of your diet has a, will place different demands on insulin pr production. So if we look at protein, it does cause some um, it does cause some insulin to be released because it's transported by, by, by the insulin, but the blood glucose levels are not affected by it. So it certainly does increase insulin somewhat, but um, still only fairly kind of moderately. Looking at fats, fats have a, a almost you know a very small effect on insulin. So the much vilified fat, and everybody's always trying to avoid it, actually has doesn't make much demand on the pancreas at all, almost none. Well, what you're referring to is obviously saturated fats, which are being vilified. Um, yes, because you know they're they're even mainstream um, medicine will recognise that they're. They're, they're healthy fats, but they, they've kind of fingered uh, saturated fats as being the culprit to heart disease and contributing to type 2 diabetes. And again, don't worry, we will, um, we will definitely <laughs> shoot, down, shoot, down that, shoot down that enemy plane in another episode because uh, it's just completely incorrect. So just wanted to get that out there. <clears throat> I'm a bit passionate when it comes to the fat topic. <laughs> so I couldn't let that go. I had to say something. And then, of course, we have a look at the third component. This is where, um, this is where our emphasis needs to be, and that's the carbohydrates in our diet. And what do we mean by carbohydrates? Well, these are foods like, you know, potatoes, potato chips, bread, pasta, rice, all the lovely processed donuts and cakes and all that that people like to eat, mainly comprise of carbohydrates. When you eat carbohydrates, that's saying to the pancreas, we need a lot of insulin. And it starts pumping out the insulin because these carbohydrates are converted into um, glu glu glucose. So the, we need some insulin to move that out. So Looking at the type of Western diet, how highly processed it is, how full of sugar it is, how much we eat, 
you start to get, oh, my gosh, there's where the red flag lies. This is what is causing our problem. And when we look back over the years from the 70s onwards, when the food pyramid and everything came into being and everyone was told to reduce your saturated fats to almost nothing and to get in the carbohydrates, obesity started to increase. And with that, so did type 2 diabetes. It's been ignored. And Suzanne, let's not forget the smokescreen that this this whole uh, fat debate caused um, in front of sugar. So, oh, yes. you know, I mean, I mean, I think you know, in modern times, people know fundamentally, you know, like sugar you know, isn't good for you. All these, you know, sweets and um, you know, fizzy drinks and stuff and chocolate bars, like people recognize they're, they're, they're not healthy. But, you know, I don't think people really, really grasp the significance of sugar, which is really just a, a toxin, some toxic poison that goes into your body, causes low-grade inflammation. And it's really causing, yeah. You know, it's, it's not just contributing to type two diabetes. It's pretty much the the um, the 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 main contributor to practically all of these dietary illnesses out there. Um, so let's not forget about that. And so yeah, that's, that's correct. And sugar is a carbohydrate. Just to get your head around that, because I've had people say to me, they don't realise that sugar is a carbohydrate, and it's. You look at sugar and it, it's actually a glucose and a fructose molecule put together. It's a disaccharide. Well, that's sucrose. So the, the sugar sucrose is a, disaccha- is a, is a disaccharide, which is yeah. glucose and fructose. Um, but right. yeah, you'll commonly hear glucose being referred to um, with type 2 diabetes because, you know, that's like your, your, your blood sugar levels, you know, like glucose, blood glucose. Um, but again, what is missed a lot is the role of fructose with type two diabetes because it doesn't really elicit um, a big spike in in blood sugar. But what it actually does, what people aren't really paying attention to, is that it goes straight to the liver. And by now, just after this episode, you will have a bit of an understanding of the importance of your liver. And with type 2 diabetes. So when this fructose goes to the liver, when you think about it, the liver is really quite small in comparison to the trillions of cells in your body which can, can uptake glucose. So when you've got all this fructose coming into your body and it's going to a liver, to the liver, which is already inundated with sugar already anyway, you're then going to have this fatty liver that we're seeing. So well, I'm not saying that, um, that fruit is bad because obviously fructose is the naturally occurring uh, sugar in fruit. I'm not saying that because you know, fruit has fiber. It has a lot of like, nutrients and such. But um, sucrose, which is like you know, the sugar in candy bars, you know, um, sweets and ice cream, that is the disaccharide that has one molecule glucose, the other, mo- the other molecule fructose. And so this sucrose won't actually elicit as big of a spike in your blood glucose as, say, like bread or, um, or like rice. So people think, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's not as bad as that. I mean, yeah, sure, it's not healthy for me, but it's not really that bad for my diabetes. Well, no, it's actually worse. Um, yeah, and Dr. Jason Fung, he says that, you know, like fructose is, is like approximately 20 times as worse as glucose because of 
the ability of your liver to, to take that fructose in comparison to the cells in the body taking glucose. I think this is a very interesting um, subject. And again, I think it's something that we're going to have to address later. So Suzanne, what is the take-home message for people listening? You know, like thinking about keeping it simple, feeling empowered that, you know, just a few simple steps can give you a big impact with your health. Well, the main take-home message I want is to make you feel positive about things, to know that if you are willing to educate yourself, that you can change the path that the type 2 diabetes is taking you along. And we've pinpointed the fact that the main thing you need to address is diet. And that, you know, there's a lot to be said about diet and how we can address things. And we won't go into that too much now because it's, it can be a bit overwhelming to begin with. So the take-home message I would love you to try to implement is to start to reduce processed foods. The processed foods are heavily laden with sugars, no doubt, and very high in carbohydrates. So they're going to be eliciting uh, an insulin response and keeping your blood glucose levels high. So let's just start to get back to real food, you know, vegetables, a little bit of fruit, not too much fruit because of fructose, but lots of vegetables, eating a, a, a good variety of them, Look, looking for the colours in the vegetables, the purple, the, the red, they're all full of antioxidants, getting good quality meat and um, seafood products, eggs, whole, you know, free-range eggs, getting back to trying to eat foods in their natural state. If they're in a can or a package or in a bar, you can bet they're highly processed. Start to become a label reader. That sugar is hidden everywhere, I'm telling you. I spend a lot of time in the supermarket. It's a bit sad, but just looking at labels and I go, oh, my gosh, look at that. Places you wouldn't even believe it, that, that it is. You know, like it's in your... In your pasta sauces, you don't. You think you're just getting tomatoes? Well, you're not. You're getting a, a hefty eight grams of sugar in there. Well, there's this, there's the there's the stat here in Australia. It's like seventy five percent of packaged foods have hidden added sugar in them. Yeah, so, and that's I'm phenomenal, right, right? So, like what Suzanne is saying, start to read the labels. Don't just look at the front, the marketing. You know, this is big food. Uh, big food industry trying to convince you that it's healthy and just because the words say that it's organic or it's fat free and all this sort of rubbish you just need to start reading the labels and seeing what's what's in there um, but I think even a step before that is as Suzanne said go towards you know real food so turn to a whole food diet if it's in a if it's in a, a package or a can or a jar Look for the alternative, you know, like go to the fresh produce section, get all the vegetables, get all the, the, the things that you can make yourself and this is going to be the most simple step for you. Now, to do that, obviously, you're going to need some recipes um, but, you know, the internet <laughs> has, a, has a plethora of these recipes. Um, just make sure that when you're selecting them that you're, you're looking for the, like, low-carbohydrate and particularly if they have carbohydrates in them, 
they are the low glycemic index uh, will have a, a low glycemic load. And when you do this, this is going to be what, what I call your high impact action. So you don't need to fill your day with all these different things that you have to do and then it becomes overwhelming. It's just, just take one or two steps a day. And the, the first step is start becoming educated about the food. So keep listening to our episodes. Go to our website, pureandnutrients.com. We have lots of free content out there for you. We have a free mini course that you can do in three parts. We have um, our book uh, that Suzanne is the author of, The Fast Diabetes Solution. You can purchase that on Amazon, but we also have on our website um, a free downloadable um, a version for you. And I'll even throw in some, um, some free recipes in there if you subscribe to that. They'll come through in your email. And then go to, go to the, the supermarket and with some of these recipes and just try them out. You don't have to necessarily go for a whole week of shopping. Just just go for like a couple of days. Just make it really simple and just get like a nice, healthy, um, whole food um, recipe for, for dinner and then enjoy it. And then know that if you just keep doing this, you are going to get results. So Suzanne, is there anything you would like to add to that? Well, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, for a lot of people, you know, going to a whole food type diet, it's a very big change and we recognise that. And we know it's a process. Don't be too hard on yourselves. People will fall off the wagon a little bit and, you know, it's, it's, this is for the rest of your life. It's an education process. So if you can just try to eliminate the sugar and those processed carbohydrates and lower your carbohydrates down, that'll be a big change. And, you know, we're, we're going to look further into the importance of when you are eating and the timing of your eating. So the frequency of eating is another very important topic, but it's something that we will pursue in a, in, in a, in a later podcast. So I'll leave you with that crucial information about starting to make those dietary changes. And I wish you all the best with it. All right, so check out puranutrients.com for more information and free content to, to get started on your own diabetes recovery journey. And we will speak to you again.